Hi, and welcome to The Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and joining me as always is Nick Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. Joining us from the non-existent booth is Rick Deal. Hey, Rick. Hey, guys. So today we're going to talk about rules of engagement. What are rules of engagement? Well, they're rules with which you engage. Uh, but to be more concrete, to be more to the point, I'm sure some of you have had some internet-based conversations in your lives. I'm sure some of you have had moments of frustration and trying to have constructive conversations and trying to get somewhere and uh, perhaps arrive at a new mutual understanding with a friend or an in-law or a loved one or a random stranger who is wrong on Facebook at two o'clock in the morning. And so uh, for this reason, we have come here today to this place. Uh, to start out with, Nick, uh, when you think about talking to people uh, over various media, multiple mediums, um, why do you think it's so frustrating for people to try to have meaningful conversations over certain media? Well, um, the text media, which, you know, Facebook, lesser extent emails, I guess Twitter, maybe in those shadowy great aunt corners of the internet, there are email battles going on, mm -hmm. unheard of, unspoken, mm -hmm. still deadly. Chain emails. Sure, even. Um, but it's something where it kind of exists beyond just the conversation, i.e. you can go back and read it over and over and over again, and it just makes things suddenly seem, at least for me, very under the scope or kind of really hyper-examined. Because if you're all arguing in a car or something, and then it's over, most people don't go, I know exactly what you said, but if you post something on someone's Facebook, it's there forever. It is there forever. Rick, have you ever had any interactions on text media and by that we mean just not talking over the phone, not talking in person, not video conferencing, um, that you felt that feeling of, oh, we're just not having a conversation. Yeah, I think back to a online debate that I didn't even really intend to get into. Uh, it was one of those situations where somebody had posted something relatively innocuous and somebody else took it to mean that that individual, I guess, wanted their family, friends, and entire ideology dead. So that's about where things ensued. And I, I left a comment, and it was more so in a matter of trying to just clarify, hey, this person posted a song lyric, and here's what it means. You know, it, it's cool that you have an entirely different worldview, but here's what it means. And... The person fired back with, you know, basically instantly jumping to just mocking anybody who had an opposing worldview. And when I came back to this 24 hours later, approximately 30 separate people had joined this Facebook conversation, most of them other people's moms. <laughs> and I thought, I'll give it one more shot. 
I'll leave a comment just kind of clarifying. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and think maybe this person is used to having to be defensive because maybe they get attacked a lot. So I basically did a, hey, I'm just trying to clarify this is the idea. I'm not trying to convert you to a separate worldview, just if this is true, then it's true. If this is not, then it's not. And regardless of what you and I believe is not really relevant to that. That's the whole discussion. That's what that song lyric was about. That's all. And I'd use an example and the person attacked my example of saying, but that's that's provable with science so we could find that. And I went, oh, okay, so I'm just going to leave you alone and you enjoy your life because you're clearly not interested in having a, a conversation. You just recently read a book about your worldview that you're very excited about and you just want to attack other people. And into this person's defense, um, there were those 30 other people, most of them moms, just without any thought of logic, reason, or uh, grammar, just completely attacking this person's worldview. So, you know, it was, it was just one of those, I'm going to walk away while the dumpster fire is at its hottest, and I don't really care what happens. And I think most of us have had some conversation like that, especially over our textual uh, media. And there are reasons for that, right? Because... Uh, we've heard 90% of communication is nonverbal. Uh, it's harder to clarify and to say, oh, I'm sorry, did I did I get that wrong? Did I get that right? Um, it's not as easy to follow up in that meeting. You might be typing something while someone else is replying, and then it gets all messed up, and there's order of operations going on, and so it kind of can get very sticky, um, more so than talking to someone in a busy coffee shop uh, where you say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Is, is this what you said? Or even over the phone. Or even having some sort of a, I don't know, video chat situation, which uh, I think many people listening to this, all three of you probably have had more video chats these days than you are normally used to. But I thought something that might be helpful is because, um, although I could be wrong, I think of both of you gentlemen as relatively sane and relatively good communicators. And once again, truth is in the eye of the beholder, I've been, I've been told. Um, I don't know if that's true. I guess we could talk about it sometime. But um, I wanted to maybe come up with our, um, pretend that we're Dear Abby or that we're, you know, someone like a write-in column of someone saying, because people literally have written to me over over the internets and said, how do I have this kind of conversation? How do I actually go about ha trying to? And, and some people obviously will never want to have a conversation. And that's part of this discussion. But what are some rules that we could put together? Sort of a, a three or five or ten uh, commandments or rules or tips or tricks for actually having a conversation, maybe especially over a textual medium, because these seem to be the most fraught ones. But I, I think I want to start with what is your number one rule when it comes to having effective discussions? And what I mean by that is it feels like a discussion. It feels like you're maybe learning something or both people are making points and maybe you're getting to a third place that neither of you were before. So I'm going to kind of open that up and just be like, what are some suggestions that you have? Or your number one? What's your number one? I would start out, unless the person has given you quantifiable evidence to believe otherwise, I would try to start every one of these discussions with the working assumption and belief that the person you are disagreeing with is in fact not Adolf Hitler. Nor, there's, an internet, there's an internet rule about that, right? Yes. What is that called? I I don't recall the actual name. Is of that it. Godwin's Law? It's something. It's a rule that basically states mm -hmm. if you're having a conversation on the internet and somebody compares their opponent to Adolf Hitler, 
they lose. Right. Yes. Right? Roughly. Can, well, can yeah. you correct me? I would love for us to be whatever, informative. Whatever the title of this rule is, oops. But the, I think it's it's saying that the longer the discussion goes on, the more likely mm. that a Nazi Germany comparison will happen. So as long as yeah. any topic is being discussed on the internet is directly related to how likely a comparison to Nazi Germany. Yeah, and so I mine is a, a is a corollary to that, which is for me, the person who brings up Nazi Germany mm. first loses. Yeah. Mm. Unless it's a discussion of Nazi Germany. Right. Yeah. Or unless it's somebody who's saying, no, it's it's totally cool for me to walk around with this swastika on, then, you know, that that's going to take the conversation in a different And I would direction. like to choose a group of people to annihilate. Right. Yeah. But uh, for me, that's, that's a big place to start. And obviously... So rule number one for you, assume that the person that you're talking to is... What? Assume positive intent, give the benefit of the doubt, whatever expression you want to use. So good but, faith, that they're yes. coming in good faith. I like okay. that. Nick, what's your number one? Um, I guess just knowing what the hell we're talking about. Sounds easy. Guess what? Mm, not. It's not. It's not. So. Part of that is, we would say, definition of terms. Sure. And that's only half the story. Tell me, tell me the whole. <laughs> I want to hear the whole story. Yeah. So I, here's. I'll go with an example. So, when you're having a friendly day-to-day garden variety debate on, let's say, something as, like, victimless as abortion. And, like, you just kind of... As you do. As you do. And someone's like, hey, I'm really into this. And you're like, I know, we're talking about dogs on this thread, but... (laughs) Thank you so much. I support you in your fight. And, like... Or the other way, it happens the other way too, and I support them in their fight too because we all got to have a fight. But like, it kind of keeps evolving in this direction, and you're having this discussion with somebody, and it goes on for so long that there's some fundamental things that maybe that person thinks they're talking about, and there's things you think you're talking about. And so it's almost like you're trying to steer a car, but you're both pulling the wheel in different directions. Mm -hmm. I brought up the abortion thing because... And I am in no way saying this is exactly what that debate is about, but a lot of times it's about when does human life start? Sometimes you'll, both of you won't even talk about this, but that is kind of what you're talking about. Major subtext though. Yeah. It's also about decisions and about autonomy and it can be about a woman's right to choose. I think the ultimate question that's almost never talked about not never but relatively seldom talked about with those discussions is what is a person yeah right like that i mean personhood is Mm -hmm. kind of the crux of the issue and just to be really really clear especially in this conversation in particular that doesn't saying that's the only issue in it but it is one there's tons of issues that is one that you can talk to someone for two days about this and you might not ever even approach the subject. So when I say knowing what you're talking about, that's what I mean. Are we really talking about personhood? Or are we really talking about state legislation? Yeah. Because the way we have a conversation might be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. So, so far, Rick has said, assume 
that the person you're talking to, unless they give you clear clear evidence that this is not the case, assume they're coming in good faith. Um, and I think that's really valuable. And then uh, Nick's first rule, we'll call it rule number two, is that you need to make sure you're talking about the same thing. Just to clarify, say, hey, are we are we actually talking about the same thing? Like, is is this a thing that, like, do we have the same set of understandings in terms of just the definitions? And Rick, your story kind of points to that, right? Of you were saying to someone, look, I'm not trying to tell you whether or not you're right about a worldview or I'm right about a worldview. I'm just trying to define the worldview. I'm just trying mm -hmm. to say what we're talking about. Yes. And see if we agree on that. And if mm -hmm. we can't agree on that, then it's probably going to be very difficult for us to have a conversation. Yes. So I think those are two good rules. I would add that for me, the number one rule that I try to abide by when I want to have a great conversation is uh, something that I talked about recently on another medium um, called epistemological humility. And that is an openness to the possibility uh, that you may be wrong. An openness to the possibility that you may not know all the things that you might not know everything there is to know, and that maybe you'll learn something. Maybe that in talking to this person with whom you may disagree, uh, you will find um, something new. And so I think that's a really, really important top law for me. And so, so we have the top laws of, one, assume good faith, two, define terms, and try to, more than that, arrive at something, something like agreement on what you're talking about, uh, and then three, coming at it with an attitude that maybe I don't know everything. Maybe there's something to learn. And I want to be very, I want to be very um, careful to say this. This doesn't mean that you expect all these things of your opponent, but don't apply them to yourself. I think sometimes mm -hmm. when when I'll say, oh yeah, assume that you have things to learn, they'll be like, yeah, my aunt really needs to know that. Like my aunt really needs epistemological humility. But I, what I would say is. Apply that to yourself because you can't force somebody else to be epistemologically humble. You can ask them to be. You can you can appeal to them to do that, but you are the only person that you can ensure um, at least puts forth an effort to be epistemologically humble and, and say, hey, I don't know everything. I'm here to learn something. I'm not a thousand percent convinced that I'm right. I'm open to the possibility that I might be slightly wrong on something here. It starts with the man. <laughs> in the mirror. Man in the mirror. Sorry. Had a yeah. voice crack. Yeah. Man in the mirror. Especially the man in the mirror. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Sure. Are there any other helpful uh, hints or tips that are sort of still important, still like pretty darn important, but didn't make your, your number one on your list? It's really hard to explain. Um, bad way to start something off. Sorry. But it's kind of a... <laughs> positive ad hominem type of situation uh what i get down yeah what i mean by that so an ad hominem in, in arguments is when you say something like yeah but you're stupid because <laughs> <laughs> you're attacking the person or that's a funny way but yeah. usually it involves something to do with sex or race or religion or political affiliation whatever color you want to fill in yeah, so, like, because of who you are, your argument is invalid. Yeah, something along those lines, or, you know, or it could just be you're stupid. 
Um, <laughs> if there's a Sean Connery attacking Alex Trebek, it might be something in reference to his mother. Yeah, yeah. something like that. That's how you're going to win. This is more like a... It's hard to say this because you don't want to... It's, it's so patronizing, but... Sometimes someone's having an argument for the reason that they want to have an argument. Yes. Especially <laughs> online, especially during a global event yep. that may or may not put people in isolation mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I have to really think, like, if the purpose of this post is just to vent, then there's no reason to even begin the process of having an argument. Because that's not what they're there for. Yeah. So then your reply would be like, I know, man, it's tough. Yeah. And normally it's just like, that's crazy. Because <laughs> that can be read in a, yeah, in a multitude of Anything. Ways. That's crazy. Sometimes two periods, too. Just to make it feel like, is he okay? <laughs> yeah. That's good. So it's sort of a positive ad hominem, like taking into account where the person's coming from and that they might not. So this is almost like a counterbalance to Rick's point. They might not be coming in good faith and, and you being okay with that. Just because someone's not coming to an argument in good faith doesn't mean they're a bad person. It might just mean that they're Mm. a bitch about Star Wars. And you're like, I hope you didn't. (laughs) I really hope you didn't just say those things. But they did. Mm -hmm. That's good. Rick, any other rules that you try to abide by or that you would recommend or that you found helpful in having conversations? The only other one that comes to my mind is... Essentially, the spoken word equivalent of what you said, where sometimes you will be typing something while someone else is replying when you are having an actual conversation with someone. And this should, if this is a one-on-one conversation, even if it is via text, you should listen as opposed to wait your turn to talk. Mm. That's deep. That's what we're here for. And true. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. I think if all we're doing is waiting for our turn to talk, then we're not actually having a conversation. Yeah. I am guilty of this, by the way. Yeah. I think we, we all drag lines in your points. You ever done that? <laughs> no. You ever put a drag line in a point? I don't even know what that is. It's when you like are arguing with someone and you can tell, being a philosophy major, this would happen a lot. Because guess <laughs> what? You don't care about everything. <laughs> I know you don't. And... You're arguing and you can tell they're just waiting to tear into you with something that they're not even listening to. So you just throw something in your list of things like, you know, blah, blah, something about modal logic, on the genocide of like black children, blah, blah, blah. And then nothing. They ignore it. They don't. It's a drag line. It just keeps going. And then you just are like, oh, yeah, well, we're going back to that. You've never done that before? No, no, no. You're way better at this kind of stuff than me. It's bad. So it's like to test whether or not they're actually reading what you yeah. you're saying. With, that's what you do when you're immature and mean. I think a correct thing would be like, hello, can you listen to me? <laughs> are, like, you, are you yeah. there? I think a more adult thing would just to be like, hey, can you actually listen to what I'm saying instead of it's going, got you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's good. So, so trying to basically ascertain whether or not somebody is even reading what you're writing or say, or listening yeah. to what you're saying. Well, and I think a huge... Are we kind of freestyling rules right now? Let's freestyle. Was, I think a huge problem with really well-meaning, smart, smarty-pants people on social media is 
I almost want to call it like rule hiding. They know all the rules about arguments or political debate or whatever you want to call it. And so at every opportunity, it's like, oh, no true Scots, Manet, and like <laughs> Occam's Razor, and blah, blah, and just why every... are they all? Why are they all Bob Dylan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because they all have this kind of folksy... Mm, it's a straw man argument, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like, oh, can you pick between these two things? That's a false dichotomy. Okay, well, actually, just because it's two things doesn't mean it's yeah, a false dichotomy. Yeah, I've had the false dichotomy uh, yeah. whipped out on me several times where I'm like, actually, it's a it's just a, it's just a dichotomy. Yeah. So, like, it's oh, literally just two choices. This so. person ate meat. That they're probably not a vegan. No true Scotsman, am I right? They're literally... <laughs> They're literally not. If someone eats meat, they're probably not a vegan. Yeah. Right? So we could just still listen to a rule of like, don't be a legalist. Yeah. Because just because someone doesn't follow all of the rules, or just because you know the rules, doesn't mean that the rules apply in every single situation. And super gotcha. Most of those are informal fallacies, anyways. Uh oh. So it's not like that. Just means yeah, girl. Most of the time, <laughs> but like sometimes no. Like yeah. sometimes yeah. just saying. Oh, that's a slippery slope or anything. Yeah. Sometimes something's a slippery slope. Sometimes it is. There, there are things that are that. There was a dance club by my apartment in Chicago <laughs> called Slippery Slope. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. I thought about. that was in Boys Town. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's damn good fun. Boys, boys Town. Though. So I'm going to introduce another rule, and we can freestyle as much as you want, but I, I think another cool uh, rule or a rule that helps me a lot is the philosophical principle of charity. And Nick and I talk about this a lot. So it's boring if you are one of the four and a half people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis. It's going up. <laughs> yeah. It was three at the beginning. Yeah, I'm gonna creep I'm gonna creep up as I go. Nice. That's that's it's a bit. This Thank is you. this is a bit. Mm-hmm. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. We love you. Um and Mike. I don't know if other Mike listens. Does other Mike listen? Probably not. Okay. Let's assume only one mic. (laughs) (laughs) We only have room for one mic in this room. So the philosophical principle of charity is is a bedrock for how Nick and I talk to each other and how we talk to other people. And I think, Rick, whether or not you formally subscribe to this, I know that this is the way that you converse with people, which is this. I want to maximize the truth in my opponent's position. Hmm. I don't want to defeat a super weak version of my opponent's argument. I, I want the I want the big the big boy. I want the big guy. I, I want I want the best version of your argument. If I'm gonna win, I want you to go down with your best stuff. I, and so this is the opposite of a of a straw man argument or of um, using any kind of absurd construction of your opponent's argument. Use the best, use a better version of your opponent's argument than they could even articulate. Mm. And that's the philosophical principle of charity. And it's not charitable only in the sense that you're being giving, that you're being understanding, that you're you're helping somebody out. It's also deeply selfish in a really fun way, which is this. If a third party is listening to two people argue and one of them says, hey, I get what you're saying. Here, let me give you the best version of what you're saying. And now let me tell you why you're wrong. Guess what? You win. You're way more likely to win with the third party, with the audience. You're way more likely to win if you're using the strongest version of someone's argument. So actually, the most powerful argument is an argument that's 
already taken seriously uh, the objections that could come up about your argument and incorporated them back into your argument. Nick, would you like to say anything else about the philosophical principle of charity? Yeah, that's great. Why do you love it so much? Because well, like, you are the most charitable person I know. Oh my god! In that way, no, no, when it comes to arguing, you're, you are the most charitable person I I've wish ever you met. could hear how much I'm blushing, because I can't. I, there's a lot of blood going to my head. Amber. I'm going to second that, though. I, I completely agree. <laughs> Am I okay? Yeah. Uh, like, I've never met someone who takes bad arguments as seriously as you, because you're like, no, 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 I want to hear out. I want to he hear the best version of this. It's like you said, though. It's not because I'm like a truth knight. That'd be kind of sick, though. I think of you as a sort of truth paladin. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. If only I looked like Bible man. Mm -hmm. Lawful good. <laughs> not really. Lawful good. <laughs> not really. Mm -hmm. um, chaotic good. Chaotic good. Chaos. You're chaotic good. I don't know. Maybe. Neutral good. Okay. Maybe. Fine. Whatever. Maybe we'll just we'll figure matter. it out. We'll figure it out. You have wandered into a D&D &D podcast. Sorry. <laughs> um, Dear reader. <laughs> but it's more like if there's been so many times in my life where you say something and you really drive a point home and then two weeks later or whatever you talk to the person and they're like oh well i actually meant this and this and this and this and, this, and that's why i'm still arguing with you about this when you're charitable with somebody you can kind of jump start that whole process by just saying Hey, instead of grilling you over a minor inconsistency with your details, which who cares? I'm not a ninth grade English teacher. This stuff doesn't get me off. Not yet. Well, it's going to have to develop a lot of drug problems for that to be an option. Um, sorry, that's just one future I've seen. Um, <laughs> But that's they, a minority report. <laughs> yeah, that's in one of the possibilities. But you know, it's like you're not allowing someone to hide behind. Th that makes it sound really negative too. But I think some people don't spend their whole lives thinking about arguing about things. Correct. Good on you. I'm sure it's great. It's probably more fun. Yeah, I live in this hellscape, and like <laughs> inside in here. We talk this way, and that's basically what you're saying. Instead of being like, haha, you don't know how to talk like a crazy person like me. <laughs> that's basically yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. So that's what I view it as. Yeah, I think uh, the philosophical principle of charity is something that could dramatically change the way that we talk to one another. If you thought immediately upon someone saying something you disagree with, what is the best version of this thing? What is the strongest version of this argument? And, and we tried to exercise that kind of thing in the last episode when we all sort of talked about political positions that we might not necessarily endorse, but we tried mm -hmm. to give it a go, right? We tried to kind of impersonate in a, in a, in a positive way uh, the argument for perhaps a political position or candidate that we would not feel comfortable endorsing as our real selves. So I, I think that's really helpful. Are there any other, are there any other principles or rules that either of you have found... Um, helpful like in real life we don't just have to talk about sort of principles we can talk about oh there was a time where I was having an argument and you know what really helped when I did this there's been one or two situations where coming into a discussion with somebody that I was having something somewhere between a discussion and a debate with 
I actually asked him if I needed to apologize on behalf of people who subscribe to my worldview. This individual being Jewish and a very avid atheist, and myself being a Christian. And we were just discussing not even religion versus atheism, but it was more just kind of life in general and our view of it and how we approach it. And I will say that because this person and I had worked together for several years, we had a very strong rapport. So even though we were coming from very different places, there was a certain amount of mutual respect that was there. And while we were talking, I actually asked if I needed to apologize for anything that people claiming to be a part of or legitimately a part of my worldview have done to this person, perpetrated against them, just any way that they have made this person feel. Mm. And they really did genuinely appreciate that. And it was something that I think helped us to find a little bit more of a common ground of, once again, we both want the best for the world, we want the best for ourselves, and we want the best for each other as well. But we're coming from very different places. So that was just something where I had a feeling that, and I was correct, this person had been burned by Christianity and people of the church. He had been treated very poorly. You don't I, say. Yeah, I, it's shocking, I know. It's very shocking. Um, actually, just one very brief tangent. A, a separate individual, again, that I had worked with. He once said, you know, as a very strong atheist, I get very frustrated that when I tell somebody I'm an atheist, I know they have all these preconceptions of how I'm going to act and talk and treat them because of people who have misrepresented and, you know, very callously um, championed my worldview. And I said to him, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I wouldn't know anything about that. I'm just a Christian. So <laughs> don't know what to tell you. And uh, a good laugh was had by all. But in both of those situations, there was this, this giving and this, this understanding of people claiming to be a part of our worldview. Hmm have done and said many things, some of it good, a lot of it bad, that doesn't automatically make you or me a bad person. We can look at the individual. Yeah, and I would say I think that's in line with something that I feel pretty strongly about, which is, and maybe it's the, Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it's the opposite, the, the flip side of the philosophical principle of charity, or maybe... It's part of epistemological humility. It's this thought of, am I aware that it's possible that I have blind spots? And, and I don't just mean in, in the sense of, I don't know it all. But there are, that I fall victim to motivated reasoning. And I'll explain motivated reasoning. Motivated reasoning is when my wife says to me, uh, hey, can you take the trash out? And I do not want to take the trash out. And I look at the trash and I say, it's not that full. So what has happened is my judgment of how full the trash is has been affected by my desire to not take the trash out. That is motivated reasoning, right? And so I, being open to that, being open to the fact that I am a person who can fall into motivated reasoning because it's, it's harder for me, it's harder for me if everything that, Bernie Sanders says about capitalism is true, right? I have to like 
do a bunch of stuff I don't want to do and pay a bunch of taxes I don't want to pay and like all the, you know, and maybe it's great for me because I have so much student loan debt. We could talk about that some other time, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but motivated reasoning is that thing where you have a desire and that desire drives your thinking and we all do it. We all do it from the trash to, oh no, I don't want to believe that God's not real. And so... I am going to defend the position that God is real. Mm-hmm. Or I'm super mad at those people over there who have that religious belief. So it just so happens that I'm very critical of that religious belief. And that's what motivated reasoning is. And I think being aware that you might be susceptible to that is the kind of flip side of charity and part of epistemological humility where... Um, if you can be open to the fact that you might actually have real, not just logical blind spots, not just a lack of knowledge, but like emotional blind spots, like places where you don't want to go or things that you don't want to entertain are, you don't want to stare in the, into the void and see uh, indeed if, if this is all there is. I think that's really helpful. I think it's really helpful to just be really honest with yourself about why am I posting this? Like, why am I, uh, am I saying this? Because I have a need and I'll just speak confessionally. I think sometimes I post things on the internet uh, because A, I believe they are true. But B, because I don't feel as influential as I would like to be. That I would like to, you know, I spent 15 years studying things. I spent 10 years in grad school. I spent years as a professor and sometimes working at a large corporation isn't fulfilling. And so posting things on the internet is a way for me to express that, like Nick said, without expressing that, right? To express some sort of emotion and being okay with the fact that I am going to express this emotion right now through something that's factual, but I'm not some sort of fact robot machine. And I think it's important to acknowledge when we're having conversations that might be difficult or uncomfortable that we are not fact robot machines. Like it is not like we're all operating solely in the realm of mechanical analysis. Yeah. But I think a flip side of it too, and something that I've matured on as a person recently is I went through these phases of Facebook's great because it's a Greek, hopefully slightly less sexy public forum where we can all talk about ideas and we have Wikipedia and Google to fix our holes and do everything else again hopefully not sexually and then it kind of moved into this weird dark age inquisition period where I'm like why talk about politics why talk about religion on this platform this is hell we're stuck here deal with the influencers pay the toll we're all here just don't swallow all that stuff but then recently what I realized is it's totally fine as a community to publicly decry something to publicly rant yep. that's I when I think about when I had a large physical community like in college there would be times where people during lunch or dinner would yeah. just be like I'm mad about this yeah. you're in a dorm room yeah. there's a gallon of ice cream mm-hmm. and people are gonna yeah. bitch yeah it's true. You're making cake in a boy's dorm. <laughs> Think about what you have to tell your friends. But will they eat the cake? Yes. Anyways. Always, always here for the cake. So, so kind of to push it forward, to move it forward, 
Um, we've laid out some rules. We've laid out some some tips and tricks. In this particular context that we find ourselves, with people being at home more, people being on social media more, people perhaps being anxious, people having extra energy that they don't know how to get rid of, um, are there any particular pieces of advice or just thought experience you'd like you'd like to do for this moment in time, for this moment in time when fears and anxieties and kind of everything seems maybe to close in on you. Like, couldn't we say anything that's helpful to our 5.25 listeners? It's a bit, it's a bit. Is there anything that we can say that would actually help them? Any practical advice, not just rules, not just principles, but practical, practical advice during this time to help them actually survive whatever this thing is that we're all doing. And I'll start. It's probably good. I have learned again to take a breather, to spend a little time every once in a while away from discussing anything, from having any kind of conversation, any kind of argument. I think one of the things that can make us sane is to cut the noise every once in a while. Go for a walk if you don't live in New York City. Um, just breathe. Don't constantly, because I'm a person who wants to listen to a podcast. I want to have a conversation. I want to make a thing. I want to make a podcast. I want to watch a documentary. I want to do all those things. And I think for me, something that has been helpful is to just try to force myself every once in a while to not do a thing. And I'm very bad at that. I'm very bad at just being like, hey, I'm going to take a break from the argument. I'm going to take a, I'm not, I'm not going to enter every fray or every conversation. I'm going to. I'm going to let this one pass me by. So that's something that I think I've learned as a very ar argumentative, a very curious, a very uh, discussion-oriented person is, you know what? I don't have to weigh in on every conversation, and I don't have to uh, express every thought that I have. Because if I did, uh, everyone would know what an insane person I am. I think another important thing is that it's the time where these questions that seems so distant or at best maybe like impractical but fun to think about are now very real for a lot of people. Gas was negative $13 this morning. I hope Here, take this oil. <laughs> I hope this invites conversations about value or about anything. Just so much is changing in our culture and our lives. In terms of advertisements, I don't know if you guys have seen these recently. It's like a psycho, crazy, Metal Gear Solid 4, like, we're all family, we're here together, like, I'm Publix and your mom, or something. There's a lot of connections. They don't go after Publix. I love, I love being with Publix. Hey, she's fine. But, like, it's, like, part of it is the changes and the the how unavoidable these questions become is a great time that I've had really awesome conversations with people. Not that I don't have those, but more often and they aren't pressured because there's a difference between I'm having an argument with someone because they're super into Trump and I'm super not or whatever. When it's more like, hey, 
what's the point of having a job if something like this could happen again? And maybe I've spent the last 20 years pursuing that and I don't want to feel this way ever again. And I don't have kids that I'm still feeling this. This is a conversation I've had recently with somebody. That's a great argument to have together because you're both Mm -hmm. just bouncing ideas off each other. That's the type of fun, mind-expanding conversation that's not pointed. There is no winner. There is no loser. It's just exploration. It's very Star Trek-y. So I would say now's a great environment to find those conversations and just enjoy them. And I would just tag that by saying that I think for me, a lot of conversations that go from being, from feeling like there needs to be a winner to feeling like, oh, this is so muddled and we're all so kind of soft and and admitting what we don't know that that it's almost impossible for there to be a winner. Mm -hmm. Like those are some of the most satisfying conversations. Now, sometimes it's super satisfying to win, but sometimes it's super satisfying to be like, oh, there's no way there can be a winner in this conversation because we've all sort of made so many concessions and we've all sort of, it's become so amalgamated. It's become so kind of mutual that now it's just a discussion. Those are kind of great and beautiful and helpful for me. And I think that some of the rules that we've laid out here for sort of winning arguments are actually rules for transforming arguments into conversations where you find yourself having so disagreed with somebody, and you still do, but at the end of it, you're talking about all the things that are interesting and dynamic and have nuance and you're not only talking about the thing that you disagree about. You're also talking about the stuff that matters that you that you agree on. To that point, I would uh, I would highly recommend the book The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. I've not read this. I didn't even know it existed. I had read his previous books. Absolutely loved the guy. Came around, came across this book and. Um, It talks about the idea of how there are games that have a clear winner and loser. There are games that do not. They just go on and on and on. And they're more so games of attrition. And it talks about the concept of how... Risk is what you're talking about, right? Yes, risk. Just just wanted to be clear. (laughs) And to take that a step further, World War II, finite game. The Cold War would have been an infinite game if the Soviet Union hadn't collapsed. So, you know. But, and for many years it was an infinite game. And there's a lot of conversation about how companies, as well as individuals and entire regimes, will play an infinite game as if it were a finite game. I do highly recommend it. Um, Who is the author again? Simon Sinek. Nice. Very solid, very interesting. Um, I recommend pretty much anything he's written. Leaders Eat Last is my favorite. By far that he's written, but um, uh, this is a very good book. I tormented my wife with it by uh, playing the audiobook between Chattanooga and Nashville at 2.25 speed. This is the most psychotic thing about Rick Deal. It's the speed at which he listens to audiobooks. Uh, it's taken me a couple of years to ramp up to the speed to which I listen. Because it's otherwise, unforgivable. <laughs> it would be completely unintelligible unless I took a very long time to get there. You go, you know, a quarter at a time. Yes. 
But in any case, so um, and it's not a very long book. So honestly, if you're not a complete insane person like me, you could listen to it at regular speed or, God forbid, dare I say, you could read a book. <laughs> you could read an actual book. And if you're on cocaine, go for the 2.25. There you the go. The time will pass effortlessly. Anywhere in between. There's, there's no wrong answer here, you know. Unlike so much of the discussions we've had up to this point, there's no wrong answer here. You 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 pick your speed, you pick your medium. But uh, it is a book that basically delves into that concept of there are situations where there there's no winner or loser. It just goes on and on. And uh, I think that there are certain discussions that really do feed into that. And this is the time and place in our world, our society, our time... To basically be able to have an open mind and try and learn from somebody else. And I think it's uh, it's a good opportunity for everyone. Word. I think that's pretty much a good place to leave it. We've given some tips and tricks, some rules, if you will, for having conversations, for advancing conversations, for hopefully, if, you're got, if you have to have a debate for winning a debate, I'm sure we'll revisit some of these in uh, later podcasts. We've given some practical advice, and uh, we hope that you all are well during this extraordinarily strange time. Uh, but until next time, uh, this is Ryan. And Nick. And Rick. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.